This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on the 4th of July. After the Cubs finish up a four-game set, they take just one out of three, but it was a good one on Thursday. So we hope you are all listening to this on Friday, having enjoyed your Independence Day celebrations However you chose to spend it, hopefully enjoying the Cubs win against the Pirates and uh, having a barbecue, some beer, fireworks, whatever it is you're doing, hope you had a nice day and are enjoying the weekend here. And we will talk about those four games with the Pirates. Uh, The game on Thursday, quite the juxtaposition from the first three games of the series, Brendan, including on Wednesday what might have been the worst loss of the season, but I don't know, you know, where all of you have that in your Cubs loss rankings for the 2019 year. I think we're all different in that regard. We will talk about some really fiery quotes, really spicy quotes, Brendan, from Theo Epstein on 670 The Score. Earlier this week, we will talk about Robel Garcia. He is finally up after a month at least of speculation with his performance down in the minors and and hitting 21 home runs over the course of his minor league play so far this year. And he gets his major league first start on Thursday, hits a triple, a home run, is a double short of the cycle. So if they were looking for a spark, at least for one game, Robel has provided that. So we will talk about that. We will talk about some more of the sloppiness early in this Pittsburgh series, and then ultimately a a big, I think, kind of response win on Thursday to at least how this series had started. But Brendan, I want to start and and bring you in here. Uh, We we got, you know, keeping with the theme, I guess, of the early portion of this podcast here, we got some more fire on Thursday. And on Thursday, it was from one Joe Madden, who gets tossed from this game by Joe West. And as a viewer in this one, it took a second to kind of figure out what was going on, right? Because Javi takes a a pitch up and in, uh, not the first up and in pitch of the day to a Cubs hitter from Jordan Lyles. season. Right, or the season, uh, especially from the Pirates, and today from Jordan Lyles, who was throwing a lot up and in. This one hits the bat handle of Baez, and Baez kind of brushes it off as like, no, it got the bat handle, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, Joe West is throwing Joe Madden out of the game. So as a viewer, for a second there, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then Joe Madden has to be restrained like Jerry Springer style, from heading over to the Pirates' dugout. So now you figure out that his ire is directed squarely at uh, the— the Clint Hurdle. Yeah, the, the captain of the— Ugh. You know, no bat flip, no emotion, the the, the anti-let-the-kids-play team leader in Clint Hurdle over there uh, on the Pirates. We've 
let our opinion be known of Mr. Hurdle. Several times now, yeah, yes. Much like we announced that Yasiel Puig is not. Clint Hurdle, decidedly not a friend of the Cubs-related podcast. No. He's at the top of the enemies list, actually, if we were keeping track of one. But this was this was a fiery situation. Obviously, Joe, you know, kind of letting some of that emotion, that anger for, for this stretch that the Cubs are in come out. And really, just protecting his players. It's, it's enough. We've seen this not just from the Pirates, from several teams. The Cubs getting buzzed and buzzed and buzzed near the head. And then, of course, later in this game, David Bodie gets hit in the head, which is not the yeah. first time that has happened to a Cub in recent memory. So it's gotten very old very quickly. So you understand where Joe is coming from. And I I guess my question to you, Brendan, is let's say Joe West and Chris Bryant don't get in Joe Madden's way there, and Joe gets over to the Pirates dugout, and we've got a one-on-one WrestleMania-style brawl, Madden, Hurdle, who you got? I'm going Madden all the way. Look at that fire. There's that one picture that you tweeted out. He's being held back by Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Joe West, who's like, you know, three sizes bigger than Joe Madden. I got to say, I think the agility, the kind of like, you know, the the fast moves of Joe Madden would, would take Hurdle down within 15 seconds. Yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously I'm taking Joe. Clint Hurdle is uh, not someone that I am a fan of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've heard him. He's he's dogged Wilson and Javi in particular, like directly over the years for, you know, what he would call, quote, antics, right? Uh, and... It was good to see Joe show some fire. Uh, you, you know, after the game, Joe kind of saying that it, it wasn't necessarily just at Hurdle. So, you know, maybe more of like towards their pitching staff, their pitching coach and in general, but Hurdle's a manager. So that that's where he was headed. And you got to love this from Joe. I mean, enough is enough. We've talked about it too, Corey. I mean, the entire season, at least compared to last year, in my memory, they're getting thrown up and in way more. We talked about this. If no one is going to protect the players... Someone has to step up, and we're never against a beanball or whatever, but something has to be done. The umpires are doing nothing about this. So that's why I think you know, Joe Madden's ire, well-deserved, loved it, loved it, especially given the context of everything. That that was a jolt, I think. I think it does send a message to his players, to the league, to the, to the other coaches, like, hey, enough is enough. Yeah, and I'm reading this quote from Will Graves from the Associated Press uh, in Pittsburgh, And he said that Joe Madden, after the game, said that the Pirates' tendency to go up and in has gotten out of hand. Said he, quote, can't wait to face the Pirates in Chicago next week. What does that mean? I don't know (laughs) what that means. What does that mean? I think that just means that he's fed up with this. And uh, again... This all happened before David Bodie was hit in the head. And and granted, this was a bases-loaded situation where Bodie gets hit in the head. So obviously not trying to hit Bodie there. But that doesn't matter, Right. Though. No, like I, the trust intent, me, I'm over getting there. The intent, where it's yeah. like you're throwing up and in all game. You you buzz Javi Baez to the point that he has to move out of the way. Like Bryant, I think, had one that was up and in you know, near his head again. And it gets to a point where then you see why Joe is so pissed. Like, Bodie getting hit, whether intentional or not, a ball that gets away, it doesn't matter. Like, that's why Joe is getting so pissed off about this. If you cannot work up and inside safely without endangering these players, you shouldn't be doing it. Or you need to be prepared for the other team to start getting pissed off. You would be pissed off, too, if you and your teammates were getting 95-mile-an-hour fastballs buzzed past your face over Did and over again. Did you see uh, Contreras in second base when Bodie got hit? I yeah. thought Contreras is about to sprint towards home plate. I'm like, I, oh I mean, my really, God enough. There. And, like, you've got a team where if anybody knows firsthand, like, what they're dealing with, like, Chris Bryant was hit in the face last year. Okay, so like I think this team is is not going to be thrilled with this. They've dealt with this on a personal level. They see the effects of this and they're tired of it. And so it was good to see again like you said, especially in the context of everything, like you knew Joe would take an opportunity to kind of like blow up, let off his brand with it. That and, that was and, his right. best objection yet. And show the the team like I've got your back. We are all in this together. Like we this has not been a good stretch of baseball for us, but we're not going to tolerate stuff like this and we're we are in this as a group. And so you love to see that from Joe and you know that the players uh, appreciate an effort like that because they've got to be sick of this. And it's just something that 
you know, I don't watch every other game that every other team plays, but I would be very surprised if other teams have been buzzed up near the head as much as the Cubs seem to have, because it, it, right. it seems like a, a really regular occurrence uh, when we play some of these teams. So really good to see Joe, you know, step in there for his guys and to kind of just put his foot down. Like if the umpires aren't going to do anything, if we're not going to get warnings, if we're not going to try to be more careful about this, like then I'm going to head over to the other dugout and I'm going to let them know I'm <laughs> tired of this and you need to cut it out and you know this is something that we've seen a lot from the Cubs like the Cubs aren't typically a team that's going to start stuff like this and and I think that goes back to Joe's quote about I can't wait to play the Pirates like I don't think that means we're going to hit some guys when they come to Chicago but like what that means is like when you start something with the Cubs and I think Joe has said this before he said that in they'll uh, finish it 16 you know Yeah. Do you need? There is a threshold to where you are going to get over on this group, the, the Chicago Cubs, where they are going to put their foot down and be like, "Enough! We are not here to start fights. We're here to try to win games." But if you are going to push it to this level, we are going to respond. We are not going to let you walk all over us. And if the umpires aren't going to get involved, we'll see what happens. But enough of the Pirates. You know, it's year after year with this. And if you watch, they get into these spats with other teams as well. It doesn't seem to be a coincidence that Clint Hurdle managed teams tend to be at the center of stuff like this often. But Brendan, I want to just run through kind of what happened in this Pirates series. The first three games were kind of an unmitigated disaster for this team. So I'm not going to uh, if you guys want me to run through all 23 hits from no. the Pirates on Monday's 18-5 to loss, I can do that, but I, I don't think that you guys do. I'm trying to read the room here, and, I, and I'm thinking, Brendan, that that's the right way to proceed here. Uh, I, I like to think that I've gotten to know our audience pretty well, that that's not what they want to hear. I mean, if you throw in a few expletives in, in that recap, <laughs> yeah, it might maybe. be more interesting. Maybe one day. Right. So the Cubs was 18-5 to on Monday. Uh, it was not a good start for Adbert Alzali, but you know, that's, that's something that's going to happen to a young kid. You got to take your lumps every now and again, and you know, just, just push through it. Right? Back in so, Iowa too. No, no worthy there. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of that obviously is because of his option availability and yeah. just needing fresh arms after, uh, you know, an outing like that and and heading towards the break here yeah he'll be back and you know you just got to learn from that it happens to everybody every single pitcher in in major league baseball goes through starts like that and you just got to get stronger from it so uh, I think Alzale will certainly be fine on Tuesday, the Pirates winning 5-1. to one. Kyle Hendricks comes back uh, from the injured list in this one and looked pretty good, uh, but ultimately his night is shortened due to a rain delay. Obviously not what you're hoping for when you're bringing a guy off the injured list. Hendricks goes three, gives up four hits, two earned, one walk, and four strikeouts. And the bullpen of Dylan Maples and Mike Montgomery would let this one slip away, though obviously the offense only putting up one run in this one. On Wednesday, again, like I said, I think perhaps the Cubs' worst loss of the season. They go into the ninth with a 5-4 to four lead and Craig Kimbrell on the mound, and they leave with a 6-5 to five loss. Wilson Contreras playing right field made a huge throw earlier in the game to throw out the tying run at home plate and preserve the lead. Uh, but then a 40% chance of a hit, according to Stackhouse, or excuse me, 40% of the time this ball is caught. Wilson Contreras going full tilt to try to run this one down in right field, but he can't. It hits his glove, bounces away. And then on the game tying run, Addison Russell and the infield defense pushed Ugh. back, uh, but Russell, for some unknown reason, decides to go home. And he, of course, does not make the play because the infield was back and he does not have a very good arm. Tying run scores, winning run advances to third, and the Cubs eventually lose on a sack fly. We'll talk more about that as we go on, uh, that decision and and Russell's quotes after the game, uh, where, shockingly enough, everybody, he deflected all blame away from himself. So we'll circle back to that one. And then on Thursday, the Cubs salvaging one win in this one with an 11-3 win. Jose Quintana was very good in this game. He goes seven innings, allowing three earned, one walk, and six strikeouts to pick up his sixth win of the season. 
the Cubs going long ball in this one. Chris Bryant with an oppo shot in the first inning. Albert Almora with his eighth of the year. Wilson Contreras with his 18th of the year. And the aforementioned Robel Garcia with his first major league home run, his first major league hit coming earlier in this game with a triple all told. He goes three for five in his first MLB start. He scores a run. He drives in a run. And he does strike out twice, which is something that uh, is, you know, going to come with his game. We, we you know, we all knew that. We all expected that. But this is the, the kind of spark you were looking for. And I tweeted this out from the Real Cubs Insider account on Twitter. Robel Garcia, guys, had more extra base hits on Thursday in his first major league start than Daniel Descalso did in the months of May and June combined. I wish that wasn't a real stat, but it is. I I double-checked it three times to make sure that I had uh, truly seen that. But Robel Garcia kind of instantly doing what we've all been suggesting that he might. And again, who knows if this continues? Who knows what he's able to put out if he gets you know any level of sustained playing time? But again, this is what you were looking for. Just once provide a spark and, and give the offense a lift because that's a lot more than we've seen from that second base position on a regular basis here lately. So Brendan, I want to go now to the Theo Epstein quotes from his yep. interview. And yep. You know, the the way that this series plays out, obviously you, you finish on a nice note. You The Brewers lose on Thursday. So as you guys are listening to this on Friday morning, the Cubs are off on Friday. The Cubs are in a first place tie with the Milwaukee Brewers. Again, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes over the weekend. But to be heading in the Cubs just two games shy of the All-Star break, you are in a tie for first place, so the division is right there. And I think that that adds a little bit of context. Like, had we recorded this podcast after Wednesday night, Brendan and I literally exchanged messages. Should we allow swears? Like, this is a family-friendly podcast. That's just how we choose to do it. We, we were 50-50. We debated it. We almost, it. We it almost, almost happened. It. Almost did uh, it. Though I will say, though, as much as I want to do that, I'm the type of person where I would just say the F word like every five seconds. So I'm not even sure that that would be that listenable, even if it would be a little more uh, interesting, so to speak. But I, I think that the win on Thursday certainly doesn't erase the stretch of baseball that the Cubs are on, but it does provide at least a little bit of a reminder of like, okay. Like, this was a very nice response from this team. They needed one. They needed a game like this. They responded to their manager getting hot. They responded to playing poorly and and people freaking out and a bad loss on Wednesday. And this division is right there. So I think the mindset is figure it out, clean up some of the sloppy mistakes, make some moves to put this team in a better position and get ready to come back after the All-Star break and kick it into gear. Because it's right there for the taking, and you need to go out and take it. So I think that provides a little bit of context, even though these quotes were earlier in the week. I, I do think that where we are in this season does frame how we should interpret what Theo is saying and stuff like that. And Theo did not sound pleased, you guys, when he joined the McNeil and Parkins show on 670 The Score. You can listen to the full interview on 670thescore.com. I'm going to read some quotes here from Theo Epstein. The first thing he says here is, quote, I don't think sitting on our hands is really a viable option. We want to be in a position to have enough belief that we're looking to aggressively add and sort of polish up what we think can be a championship team. If we're not, that means this stretch of bad play has continued. And if this stretch of bad play continues, then certainly a ton of change is in order. Again, continuing, we're all really frustrated, obviously. It's a stretch of play nobody is proud of, nor should anybody be. It's hard, but you find out a lot about what people are made of during stretches like these. It obviously can't continue. It's not acceptable. There have been too many words about it and not enough action. There's nothing I can say, (laughs) especially on a radio interview, to make it better. It's incumbent on all of us to find a way out of it. And obviously on our, parentheses, front office end, A big part of that is transactional. It's the time of year to do that. Change is obviously called for if we keep playing like this, but there's opportunities for everyone to do better. Every player, every coach, everyone associated with what we're doing right now. It's not satisfactory. Woo, boy. Uh, Uh, 
pretty direct and 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 again pretty like to the point from Theo Epstein here certainly not the first time we've heard him speak like that now these quotes came on I, I believe Wednesday afternoon so prior to that shocking loss on Wednesday night whatever you want to call what happened on Wednesday night so just to kind of provide the context of when Theo said this and Brendan I I think that this is not really surprising to hear from him, but when you get these kinds of quotes from the president of baseball operations and, you know, someone who has been at the helm of, of this operation for a long time now, it's, you know, it's, it kind of wakes you up a little bit. It, it's a, it's a, it's a call to action and, and a very clear cut, like, this is not good enough for our expectations and, and what we believe this team should be doing and that this play is going to be evaluated as we head toward the end of July and the trade deadline. And that is going to affect how they are looking at things. And, you know, I think it it compares to a year, of course, we always end up going back to 2016 when the Cubs did win the World Series as a brief reminder. They did Um, win the World Series that year. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you go back to 2016 and you look at how the Cubs approached that deadline. And we all remember being in that moment. It was very clear that their strategy and the feeling amongst basically everybody was this team is a dominant high leverage reliever away from being just a a pure juggernaut. No questions asked. This is the team to beat that you are going to have to go through if you want to win a World Series. That's the move they made. And that's what happened. They won the World Series. This year is obviously in a different spot, and I think that's what Theo's getting at as to, you know, the the, the play of the team kind of dictates things. With the way, especially in this Pittsburgh series, and just that the, the way this team has played over the last month plus, which is, you know, right around the 500 mark, just kind of decidedly mediocre in, in, in all facets at times— I think what Theo's saying is that if if this is how this play continues, they're not really in a position like that. They're not really in a position where they're saying, okay, we just need this one thing, and then for sure, we're, we're all set. We've checked all the boxes. We have the best chance we possibly can to win a championship. And if that's the case, then a lot of things are going to be on the table. I'm not exactly positive what Theo means by that. I think you can kind of interpret those words uh, many different ways. A lot of people wondering if that means, you know, that they might continue, you know, consider a soft sell, if you were, to just kind of let this team play it out, get some assets for the future. Like and, like a Yankee sell-off in 2016 when they when they traded Chapman, got him back the next year. They were still right. at 500 when they did that. Right. Right. Yeah. Not like a full-scale, okay, we're going into a rebuild. That's not going to happen. That's right. crazy talk. More like prep but, for next year. Use the deadline yes. as an advantage. And yeah. then just see like what this group can do in a close division, right? And, you know, I think some people, myself included, took it more to mean that some of the guys who came into this season with a chance to earn and cement their kind of like everyday-ish status on this team may not be so safe in those spots anymore. And we've obviously identified some of those positions where a change or an upgrade is the most likely and reasonable and and practical. Um, So, you know, will we see some of the guys that, you know, maybe people have grown attached to not continue to get that kind of leeway? So, again, a, a very fiery interview from Theo, and I think one that was needed. But how, how did you take all of these comments, Brendan? What, do you, what are you <sighs> thinking? What, what, what did Theo mean? Where are you just mindset overall with this team right now as we're, you know, two games with the White Sox from the All-Star break? And then again, like Theo said, kind of heading into that area where you have to really evaluate what you have and what you want to do going forward here. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway 
to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular. I have extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm at this point, and hopefully, you know, it comes clear when when I say this, but ultimately the responsibility is at the front office. Like, I'm not pleased with the player performance. At times, Joe's decisions have irritated me. But at the end of this entire talk, it's Theo's responsibility. The lack of depth has hurt the team that is Theo's responsibility. Not calling up Robo Garcia until July 3rd is Theo's responsibility. Waiting to the point where there are three games above 500 to do that, his responsibility. And you can you can really be upset about Joe Madden if you want. Theo brought him back. He expressed uncertainty with Joe, still made the conscious decision to bring him back. You knew what you were getting. This is who Joe is. And at the same time, Theo spent a lot of money on several players who were perceived to be, you know, low risk, yet a low ceiling type move, right? You traded for for Brandon Kinsler. He's been decent this year. Nevertheless, cost $5 million. Brian Dunsing, gone. $3.5 million. Doscalso, one of the worst players in the league. $3 million. And you got those guys because you allocated $13 million to chat with the year before. $8 million tomorrow the year before that that is fully on the front office the lack of depth the trickle effect of that where now the players are pressing they have to perform one through five in that lineup or they can't score runs they are pulling and trying to get guys up on this team when someone gets injured it sucks to see because these should have been issues addressed in november in december these are not issues that you can easily find solutions to in July, Corey. It's weird to me that, you know, when certain stuff happens and the team doesn't play well, a lot of this gets dumped on Joe Madden. And, you know, we've certainly made it clear, like, we don't agree with a lot of what Joe does. There's a lot of things that he does. You know, something that he's been doing for a while now is using Mike Montgomery as a lefty specialist, which the numbers just don't bear out whatsoever. Or playing Addison Russell consistently. Right. Like Mike Montgomery coming into that game earlier in this Pirate series to face a lefty where he ultimately gives up a home run, like Mike has the worst numbers in the Cubs bullpen against lefties. And and this is something that Joe just keeps doing. I, I don't know where this comes from. So I just say that to mean like I, we don't agree with everything that Joe does. But it does get to a point where you're just like, there's some of this that is just out of his control. And we've talked about how often this team has played a man down with certain guys, you know, nursing injuries, but the Cubs reluctant to, you know, manipulate the injured list like this. But then you, that's how you end up in situations like Wednesday night, where Wilson makes a big play in the eighth inning to keep the Pirates off the board with his arm. And then you'd like to have a defensive replacement out there, but you don't have that person on the bench. Hayward and Bryant are nursing injuries. Descalso is not a good defender and not an outfielder. And you you run out of options. So you you know, you have people blaming Joe, oh, Contreras shouldn't have been in right field, he's not a right fielder, and you're look going looking around going, Okay, well, he didn't make this roster, so he doesn't have other options here if some of the guys are unavailable. So And I, that's I, not to deflect responsibility away from Joe like the sloppy no. base running the sloppy defense ultimately that goes back to Joe Madden as well so it's there there is responsibility across all facets but but it just feels like at times it, it too much of it is dumped on Joe where yeah, there's just no, not I, stuff I, I that so. he can control uh, uh, about some of this and again like we don't know the the true story going back to this offseason of what the internal budget was, were the rickets coming down on the payroll. We, we, we still don't have an exact detail of what that situation was per se. But I, I guess, you know, part of where the frustration comes as it relates to the front office right now is that a lot of the stuff that has happened to this team throughout the year is all stuff that people worried about in the offseason, right? Right 
early in the year especially, the number one thing people talked about in the offseason was the bullpen. And the bullpen was atrocious in the beginning of the season. You look at now and depth is a problem from a position player perspective. Like I know for a fact, if you go back and listen to some of our off-season episodes, we said time and time again that we had wished this team had added to the bench. If they were not going to go all out for Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or some of these other offensive options, at least fill in the cracks. I must have said that phrase a hundred times <laughs> this offseason. I swear, I must have said that yeah. exact phrase about the position player depth. And granted, one of those areas we wanted to upgrade was backup catcher. And Victor Caratini has made us eat crow on that all season. And he continues to do that with his first career two-homer game, one from each side of the plate in this Pittsburgh series. But that's only one position, right? And you're looking at it now going, gee, the position player depth on this team seems to be a problem. And I've been saying for weeks now that it's putting too much pressure on the top guys to either come through or the team loses, right? And I think that that's where a lot of this frustration comes in, where it's, you know, there are some unforeseen things, right? The Ben Zobris thing is not something that anybody could have seen coming, and I don't blame the front office necessarily for, you know, not necessarily, like, having an answer for that right away, like, to replace someone that has played such an integral role, not only on the field, but in this clubhouse as Ben Zobrist. But when some of the stuff that has lost the Cubs, these close games, these sloppy losses, these games that you kind of just leave feeling that they threw away, right? It's all stuff that we felt in the offseason. Yeah. And it's fine to go into the year and say, you know what, we want to bank on internal improvement. We're going to give some of these guys an opportunity to adjust, to grow into roles, to to throw them into the fire and say, you want to be a starter? Like, here's your time. Here's the plate appearances. And it's okay to do that for a while, but eventually you have to get to a point. And to me, this is what I kind of read into what Theo was saying on the radio is some of these guys, that time has run out. And I, and I, it's hard to say who specifically that might be, but it, you just get a point where it's like, guys, th- this, you do not have a lead in this division. This division is tight. Everybody in the division is within five games. Like you got to get on your horse and you got to do it now. And again, like, I don't know where the payroll was in the off season, but like you pointed out, Brendan, some of that is because the, some of the moves that the front office made did not work. That's why the payroll is so high. And well, that that too, but the, the the developmental side of things, you bring in sure. three different hitting coaches, three different pitching coaches within three years. Never thought the Cubs would be in the situation where you're dealing with front office incompetency to a, to a degree. And I say that very cautiously. And you're dealing with issues with the coaching staff, dealing with issues with Joe Madden and some clubhouse stuff two back-to-back meetings. That should never happen with this team. I would have been floored if you told me this would be a thing even last year, yeah. even earlier in the season. This is, it's, it's unrecognizable. Well, and it's, it's, it's so odd because at times, like, you just see them do stuff, and we've talked about this kind of all year, but, like, especially with this group and what we've seen from this group, like, the majority of this team, like, save a couple guys, right, have been to the playoffs like every year since 2015. Some of these guys, every single year of their career, they've been to the playoffs. Most of these guys were a part of a team that won the World Series in 2016. Like, you just get the sense like that we should be passed in some of these games going, why didn't that guy hit the cutoff, man, on that throw? Why did they allow them to take an extra base on that throw? Why is this guy getting thrown out at third base? Why is this guy getting thrown out at home? Why is Addison Russell throwing to home here? You know, and and it's, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of different, I think, places you can lay blame for stuff like that when it happens. But you're just looking around going, aren't we past this with this group? This group has so much experience. They've been through so many tough situations and, and moments where, like, they came back from 3-1 deficit in, a, in the World Series to win a championship. Like, <laughs> they shouldn't that? be missing the cutoff, man. Like, right. where is that problem coming from? Like, that's just such an odd 
place to be with this team. It's it's just a group where you look at them and you go like, of all things, I, I don't really expect from this group. It's it's for some of these little mistakes and and just like general sloppiness that we've continued to see and and we saw more of in this Pittsburgh series. So. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, you've got an off day on Friday, you've got two with the White Sox, and then you kind of get that break. And we have seen time and time again, Joe Madden's record in the second half, not only with the Cubs, but dating back to his time with the Rays in Tampa, is insane. The guy gets his teams to perform in the second half. We have seen that from this group every time. Like the second half in 2018 obviously it's every year comes to a crashing halt but it was still overall a good second you know and productive second half that ends up with them winning I mean, they 95, won 95 games. games that year they right won 95 games, 2017 yeah. they enter the all-star break under 500 they win the division they win 92 games they go on to win a playoff series so this team performs in the second half so, you know, you certainly expect them to do that, but it it is clear from just the the way that they have played over the last month plus now and these comments from Joe and Theo and Jed Hoyer how they play as we lead up to the trade deadline is going to affect what they do and I think the drastic level of decisions that are made going forward here. And and one question I want to ask you Brennan and in asking the question, I am by no means suggesting that I believe this or that this should even be a conversation, but it does come up. How hot do you think Joe Madden's seat is at the moment? The front office expressed uncertainty. We just talked about it with Joe Madden in the offseason. And th- like he's doing what he usually does. He has his whole mantra. And for me, I question is Joe Madden at times the right guy to get these 26 to 29-year-olds over the next level, past that adjustment phase. When they were called up as 22, 23-year-olds, Joe encouraged a fearless attitude. He got them ready. He maximized their talents by bringing in different coaches, by making an enriched environment where you can grow and be yourself right away. But the league adjusted, and the Cubs have not adjusted following that. And I think with with Theo's logic of bringing Madden back, he knew Madden's flexible in his philosophy and his his thinking. And I think that was the the telling reason of bringing Joe back because yeah, he has a lot of positive traits about him, and maybe he can adjust and get these guys over the next phase. Most of that has not happened. So is he on the hot seat? Yeah, I think he is on the hot seat. If this team is not you know over four or five games above five hundred before the deadline, yeah, I think the the conversation will be there whether or not they can keep Joe Madden. If he's at 500 by the All-Star break or by the uh, trade deadline, he's he's gone, Corey. He's gone. If they're at 500 in three weeks, Joe Madden's probably not going to be here. Whether that's fair or not, whatever. That's just the nature of how this sport works. And they'll be looking for a, a different voice for, for the next year and seasons beyond that. So yeah, I, I think this seat is hot. And I think Joe's and and Theo's words are very poignant. And I think Theo, with that one particular interview, very demonstrative that he is willing to make drastic changes. And you have to interpret that as Joe being part of that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's mostly where I am, too. I, I think that, you know, this situation whether it's fair to Joe Madden or not, just has all the hallmarks of when you see changes sometimes. And it just is one of those things where, you know, and Theo even kind of alludes to it, like sometimes you just need change for the sake of change. And I I don't, you know, he doesn't say what he's specifically referring to, but you you have a, a manager that doesn't have a contract extension, you know, for next year. You have a team that, while, it, you know, tied for first place, is obviously not performing at the level that you want. And, you know, just looking at the way that they've played over the, the recent stretch here, you know, I, I think that whether they're in first place or the division doesn't necessarily complete your evaluation of this team and, like, what their potential is going forward. So, like we said, like I think there's a lot of stuff that you really can't lay at Joe's feet. Like I, I really don't think that's fair in a lot of ways. But at the same time, we've just seen this movie before. Like the, sometimes this is how it plays out with plenty of different teams where a, a situation like this 
ends in a change in manager and, you know, someone coming in on an interim basis or whatever it is. And I don't know that that's what's going to happen here. I don't really advocate for it personally. I, I just think that there's a lot of stuff that you really can't put on Joe here. Uh, and I'm not really sure who you bring in or why you think that the result would be different uh, other than, like I said, change for the sake of change. Um, but I but think I, I am I am thinking of the logic with that. And it goes back to my thinking of, okay, can Joe make an environment, bring in different coaches to get these guys to that next level? And Joe is responsible partly for bringing in Chili Davis. He misfired there. He read the room wrong there, and that is some of his responsibility. And it does make me question, does he know what's right for some of these guys? To bring in Chili Davis and for that to backfire that badly, it, it does, for, for me, give me a little bit of uncertainty as well. I, so I, it's, it's, I, I've been such a Joe Madden fan for five years, Corey, to even talk about this. It's, it's very unsettling to me. But I, it's part of the conversation. I think there is a lot of like worthy arguments that maybe Joe shouldn't come back next year. There's so much more play to, to, to be had here, but it's, it's, it's definitely worthy of the, of the conversation. It's an interesting place because I think Brendan and I in particular have pretty constantly when, when some of these teams go through these stretch, been the people to, you know, kind of try to quell the fire, if you will, like calm down. It's a bad stretch. These things happen. Um, but this this bad stretch feels a little different. It, it just is is kind of marred by some of the stuff that we're not really used to seeing. Going back to like that sloppiness uh, from this team, and you know we usually don't get such strong language from the people in charge. So I think that you know again it, it's kind of a tough balance to say like you know we know how good a lot of this team is and and what their potential is and we know that they are in a close division that is right there on the table for them to take uh but how do you balance that with you know them just objectively not looking that good for a, a pretty long stretch here and hearing the stuff that we're hearing from the people in charge you know so i think it's hard to as as it as easy as it has been in other years, like especially 2016, like you can go like our episode of that. I I think I almost verbatim say, don't worry about this pre all-star break stretch. They'll be fine. They're going to win the world series. And it, it was easy to say that because the team had just been so good. And that stretch prior to the all-star break was just such a blip on the radar, such an anomaly. And unfortunately, like this 500 is stretch from this team in 2019 is, is a pretty long one. And it's just sort of tough to ignore. And I think when you're evaluating, you know, where does this team stand up against, you know, teams you might see in the playoffs, like the Braves or the Dodgers, etc., you know, this this stretch of baseball and the play that we've seen it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And that's obviously coming through, you know, not just in the fan response, but also in the, the stuff that we're hearing from the manager and the members of the front office. So I mean, where where are you at with Joe? I'm I'm at the place where look, I, I like he's finishing this year and then we're evaluating the future yeah. from there. Um So if they're a five hundred by by the trade deadline. Save some you know, major crisis. Like I'm talking fights in the dugout, stuff like that. I'm not moving on from Joe Madden. I, I, I just, I'm not sure that it's going to do anything. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, mean, that's, that's I, I understand where you're yeah. coming from, you know, just in the sense where you're, you're kind of wondering like, Joe is the perfect person for the, the you know, early years of a lot of these guys' career. And, you know, I think it's fair to wonder if, if he's you know, annually, just the only person we can consider to manage this Cubs team, right? Like, I think that's fair. Of course it is. Um, evaluating everybody is fair, and things change with the organization. Players change. Their needs change. So, you know, you kind of have to be malleable in that regard. But I, I I don't know. I just feel like he's earned more than just a, a, a change of scenery type of, of, of move as far as the manager goes. And like I said, if I felt like he had been given the best roster that he could, and he was the only reason that they weren't performing to the level that we want them performing at, then I think this would be a different conversation. But I, I don't believe that. I don't think any of us believe that. So 
I think that there's uh, not not enough for me right now. Like I said, like if they have a real meltdown, um, you know, just a, a tank of a stretch that, you know, sends them 500 or under or something like that. We're getting shouting matches in the dugout. Like, I mean, we're pretty close to that, though, aren't we? Like, I'm, I'm not advocating for Joe being fired this, this year at all. Like, I, I don't think it's going to do any good. And I'm with you that this will be a conversation in the offseason. But we're a week away from being at that point, from having back-to-back meetings, from having players express displeasure with their performance. We're, we're close to that, I think, Corey. Well, I I don't know. I, I mean, I, that's I, I don't know about that. We we haven't seen it, so perhaps. But that's what I'm saying. Like that that just like a total mess in the clubhouse is is the only thing I think that would get me to that point right now. Because I I yeah. just you know like if they promote Mark Loretta, let's say for an example, he's the bench coach. If they make him the interim manager, you know what is that really changing? What 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 are what are we really changing there? Um, and why should I think that they'll respond to Mark Loretta more than Joe Madden? And, you know, again, it goes back to like some of this is just on the players. Like some of this stuff, like does Joe Madden need to teach these guys to hit the cutoff man at this point in their careers? Like I think some of this is like you guys got to execute, you know, and we've seen this from some of the guys in the bullpen where sometimes certainly we don't agree with the positions that Joe puts them in. But, you know, some sometimes it's like guys throw better pitches, you know, you got to execute your pitches better. We see some of these guys missing their spots all the time, you know, putting the ball to hitters that they just can't be putting it there. And, you know, so like there's just a lot that goes on where it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't well, know yeah, what Joe's supposed to do about this. And those... I, of course. Yeah. He's I mean, like I said, I get it. The, this situation has all the hallmarks of right. when this when this type of stuff happens. And, you know, when we talked about this going into the year with him not having the extension, this is the exact scenario that if I had laid it out for you, you would say, yeah, this is this is definitely the beginning of the situation that leads to them making a change. But I'm not there yet, personally. But um, again, like I understand, like that's just where we are. Like it, it's th- this, this is a movie that we've seen before at the major league level with plenty of different organizations and plenty of different managers. So just kind of got to see uh, how it plays out, you know, and, and, and I think that you know, just resting on on the past track record of this group and Joe Madden to get things going in the second half isn't good enough. You know, you can't just assume that that's going to happen. You can't just assume that the division is going to stay here and, you know, let you figure it out before you're able to just run away and win it. Um, But I I think we, I'm not at that point yet. I got to see a little bit more, see a little bit after the All-Star break, um, you know, and kind of get an idea of how this team is going to approach making some changes before, I'm thinking that changing the manager is is going to do anything. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. I don't think it makes sense to fire him this, this season. Bringing in Mark Loretta is not going to do much. You still have the same coaches there. You still have Hottie there. You still have Ioposi there. Butterfield, that, that's not going to change anything for this year. So I don't get what that, what that does. Um, but just let, let's, let's go to the next series here. We're, we're going to get way too ahead of ourselves. So the Cubs do have an off day on Friday. They deserve one. They need the rest. Hayward's been banged up, so hopefully he gets some health back for the weekend set against the White Sox. The first game of which starts Saturday, 6.15 p.m. Central Time. John Lester on the mound for the Cubs, 7-6, a 3.89 ERA. Lucas Giolito takes the mound again for the White Sox. The Cubs just faced him a few weeks ago. Giolito is 11-2 with a 2.72 ERA. On Sunday, the last game before the All-Star break, Kyle Hendricks takes the mound again. Hendricks, 7-6 with a 3.45 ERA. He'll face Ivan Nova. 3-7, and seven, a 5.92 ERA. So the Cubs will only be facing these two guys, Anova and Giolito, this year against the White Sox. Uh, kind of weird how that worked out. The White Sox are 41-43, and 
and uh, they're, they've been playing well. They've called up Dylan Cease, who made his major league debut. Eloy Jimenez continues to hit home runs now. He has 15 on the year. And just to get the complete picture where the Cubs are in the NL Central, so they are indeed tied for first place with Milwaukee. Right now, the Cubs are four games above 500. They are 46 and 42. Same thing with Milwaukee. The Cardinals are 43 and 42, one and a half games back. Pittsburgh, 42 and 44, three games back. And Cincinnati, 41 and 44, three and a half games back. The entire division is crunched there, Corey. So, what I'm looking for this two game series two wins, clean it up, better base running, better defense better timely at-bats. I want to see more of Robo Garcia. I want to see none, absolutely none, of Addison Russell or Daniel Descalso in the starting lineup. And monitoring where they bat uh, Chris Bryant will you know, be interesting. They, for the first time in a while, batted him third in that last game against Pittsburgh. Javi went up to the two slot. Rizzo was batting cleanup. So they shifted some things around, and it will be interesting to see what they do with that going forward. Javi's been the, the cleanup guy the majority of the year. Chris Bryant's been batting second the majority of the year with Rizzo's sandwich in between them. So those are what I'm looking for. But if you can get to the All-Star break, six games above 500, get healthy, get some more news about Zorbarist coming back hopefully sometime soon, and things will be looking up. Make a few transactions here and there, and... This season could be fixable, but they still have the shoes to work out beyond this season. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Um, like I said, kind of at the outset, it's it's a weird kind of balance to strike where you're talking about a team that's tied for first place. And we know you get into these baseball playoffs and anything can happen, right? Especially with the group that the Cubs have, like you get a playoff outing from guys like John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and Cole Hamels, you know, if and when he's able to come back and be effective. And you you get some of these guys going on offense like they have been, like you can win playoff series with this group, no question. Um, But clearly their play over the last, you know, pretty significant stretch of baseball here has not been up to expectations and has not been up to par. And these are not just expectations that are laid out by the fan base. These are expectations that are laid out by the team themselves, the manager, and the front office. So there's a reason that the response is what it is. And I think that, you know, especially coming off of a 2018 season where you know, midway through that season, you had a lot of people that said this offense has some problems. They're too, you know, feast or famine, yada, yada. And a lot of those opinions were written off. And like, I'm pretty sure I wrote a lot of those off and said, don't worry about it. And, you know, the wheels fell off the bus exactly how a lot of people thought they would. And, you know, like I said, like there was doom and gloom during 2016 where I was like, this is ridiculous. Like this team is way too good for this. Calm down. And, you know, I think 2017 was similar, but 2018, you know, when you, when you come off a season where a lot of people are worried about something in particular, and then you lose a tie-breaking game for the division and a wild card game in basically the fashion that everybody was concerned about, you know, it, it, kind of makes you take a step back in a season like we're seeing right now in 2019 where you go yes like I believe so much in in a large part of this group I know their track record I know what they're capable of but how much can we ignore some of the red flags and like you said Brendan some of them are are fixable some of them can be changed Um, but it's it's just kind of finding that balance of Yes, they're in an okay position as it relates to the division and, and making the playoffs, but there is some stuff that it, it you know, doesn't necessarily seem right to, to just say, nah, it's fine. Like, they'll be fine, you know, right. because it, at least once in these past couple seasons, we've been burned by just saying that and, and kind of relying on the track record and relying on the pedigree of this group to just sort of figure it out eventually. And so I think that's where we're at. And I think that's a lot of what Theo is saying, that as we see what happens uh, after the All-Star break, you know, kind of in that immediate area there is going to inform what happens. If, if this team looks like they are a couple moves from 
winning this division and and being successful down the stretch and in the playoffs, then that's probably what we'll see. But if they look like a team that making a couple of moves isn't going to help, you may see other stuff. You may you may see some more drastic moves. You may see some moves that aren't necessarily just geared at worrying about whether this 2019 team has everything that they need, right? And more focused on what does this organization need right. from a larger standpoint. So I think that's where we're at. And you know, again, like with two games left here, like enjoy the off day. And, you know, again, like Thursday was a response game from them. They they responded well. You know, they, they, they cleaned a lot of stuff up. They hit with runners in scoring position. They added on to, uh, you know, early leads. They come, they came back from, you know, giving up an early lead. They continued adding on throughout the game. So just stuff that, you know, has, has been problems in a lot of these losses, they responded to on Thursday. And, Keep that going in these two games with the Sox. Get your time off. You know, we'll celebrate the guys that are all-stars and, you know, celebrate what they've done and, and the honor that they've earned. And, you know, then it's it's pretty simple. Like, this division has not punished them for middling around, and it's time that they come out and, you know, pay that off. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah pay that off. TCB, like, this division could have made us pay for not running away and not building a lead and keeping everybody close and they really didn't and so now it's time for the Cubs to say like okay we didn't capitalize on this in the first half but we're going to in the second half and we're going to be quicker about pulling the plug on some things that don't work or quicker about not giving so much playing time to guys that are just not being productive and saying again going back to the mantra that kind of led us all into this season production over talent it is time for <laughs> results to start coming and if you're not providing them then we're we need to be looking at someone who will so like i said it's an odd spot but the division's right there so you you got to figure yep. out a way to right this ship and be better than, you know, playing 500-ish ball for over a month. You need to be better than that. And once we come out of that All-Star break, you better be ready to do it. Yeah. I mean, one one last thought here, too. And I was just thinking about it right now. We can be so upset about what happened prior to this Theo interview, prior to Garcia being called up. That's That's in the past. Garcia is called up. Russell did not start on that last game. There may be some accountability there. And a lot of the responses have been there from what we've seen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. So we can be mad about that, but as 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 fans and for your own mental sanity, now it's time to move forward. Again, Garcia is on this team. He had a great game. We know what needs to be done transactionally. They may need some more outfield depth pieces. Theo's talked about it. Let's see what happens. But at least at least right now we can expect some changes, some greater accountability, and we know we have the comfort of of knowing that the front office, the coaching staff, Madden, they recognize some of these faults, and they're now taking steps to fix those. Whether or not you think that's too late, that's fine. I, I'm right there with you. I think this should have been done a few weeks ago or even in the offseason. doesn't matter anymore. It's July 4th. We're going into the All-Star break. We're in first place. Surprisingly, I don't know how on earth we're in first place. It's time to move on. And I think to, to some degree, that does give me some comfort, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair. So I, I think that's all we have for you. Like I said, it, it it's kind of a weird spot. Uh, just, just like where this team is kind of trying to figure out exactly how to approach this. And, you know, even just looking around, there's such a wide range of opinion from everybody as far as, you know, you've you've got people who are ready to blow the whole thing up, fire everybody, trade everybody. You've got people on the opposite end of the spectrum who are, you know, still in that mindset of it's fine. This group will figure it out. Don't worry about it. You people are overreacting. And there are plenty of people within the middle somewhere. So, Wherever you guys are, uh, like I said, I hope you're enjoying your 4th of July weekend. Uh, We will talk to you uh, prior to the All-Star break. We'll come to you after the Cubs and White Sox finish things up, and we will let you know. We've got some interesting stuff planned for the All-Star break just because, uh, you know, there will not be Cubs baseball to 
I, I normally would say entertain us, but who knows anymore. <laughs> uh, but for us to engage Discuss. with, yeah. let's let's put it that way. So we're gonna you know put out some extra episodes, talk about some stuff that we don't normally talk about on here, and uh, at least give you a little taste of of the Cubs while uh, you know we're in that All Star break and we're not getting the daily dose of Cubs baseball that we are all used to. So stick with us there. We will talk to you guys after the Cubs and White Sox finish up. And as always, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. A lot of people reaching out to us to, you know, discuss things on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So we appreciate your guys' participation. We appreciate their listenership even more. Uh, And let's TCB against the White Sox, guys, okay? Uh, Let's go into that break on a high note and get ready to kick things into gear in the second half here. So we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you as always, and go Cubs. Using an overpriced trash bag? Pricey, pricey, pricey! A bag that breaks? Whippy, whippy, whippy! Or a smelly bag? Stinky, stinky, stinky! You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty! It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy! Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician. I can be referred to the lab. I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.